let us and our listeners know uh, who is uh, Sergeant Dave Walker. Well, thank you, Chief, for uh, that. And it's uh, always nice to be recognized uh, at times. And I've had the the, uh, availability or been afforded the opportunity to be recognized, and that's only because of the A&E First 48 and the Tulsa Police Department allowing that to be here. Uh, Mm -hmm. I came from uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Actually, I heard you talk last week with the the chief about uh, Ferguson, Missouri. I grew up 6.9 miles from where uh, Michael Brown was shot and killed. So I know that area rather well. And I'm from St. Louis. Uh, I'm a St. Louis Cardinal fan. And I had no idea I was going to be a cop until about, about... two or three months in at the end of graduation from college. So um, it was was not in the plans to be a cop for the very longest, but once I got on and uh, in 1982 as a patrol officer, I, I loved it. I loved serving the people. And uh, it was just one of those jobs that, that felt right. And, you know, it's government work. So it was a steady income and, and a great <laughs> retirement. So, uh, yeah. man... Uh, I've experienced a lot of things uh, with law enforcement that uh, I would not have done otherwise because I wasn't in the military. And so uh, even though law enforcement is nothing like the military, it's uh, it's a job that, that's looked, uh, looked, I mean, I always looked up to cops. It, it's kind mm-hmm. of uh, on, um, maybe on the rails right at the moment, but I think it's... Uh, an honorable profession, and we just need to get back on the straight and narrow, and we'll be fine. I retired yeah. in 2018, um, and, and been trying to find something to do since. So I appreciate you taking my evening. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you you also started your own podcast uh, show uh, talking about uh, homicides that, that you worked on or, or related to what? to. You know, I appreciate you, you giving me the plug. It's not the best or the one like uh, you and the law, but it is out there. It's called Solve Them When You Get Them. It's uh, podcasting for a purpose is how we started it. Uh, a friend of mine uh, is the camera guy for Jimmy Houston, and he said, well, let's go and do one of these things about uh, two years ago, and we've been on since. We've got 54 uh, episodes out there that, that sometimes uh, deal with murders and sometimes just deal with uh, things law enforcement's going and uh, mm-hmm. man it, it's uh, on Spotify and iTunes it's not as uh, probably as well listened to as this one but you know I appreciate you letting me plug it just a minute oh hey definitely definitely I mean you know uh, we're we're all trying to um you know, let our listeners uh, become more informed about law enforcement and and what you do and what we do uh, is definitely something that I think uh, is, is needed uh, across the country uh, where people uh, are hearing from uh, people in the profession about what's going on behind the scenes, behind the scenes and what's going on actually out in front of the scenes. So uh, definitely it's, uh, uh, you know, to... to let everybody know about your podcast show. So, um, kind of. So, how did the the first forty? How did you guys really get involved with the first forty eight? How did they come about? Was there 
uh, a buy-in from the homicide division to to be a part of that because you know everybody talks about Tulsa and they talk about I think people talk more about Tulsa than they do Atlanta or all the other or even Memphis because I know Memphis was was uh, was one of the first agencies that were a part of that uh, show when it first came on. So the way I understand how this all works behind the scenes from uh, you know the, the four or five years that I was uh, kind of around the hierarchy of IITS, I think is the parent company of the first 48, John Kim came down, but they go to the IACP conference. I I know you guys talked about that last week. Oh, yeah. And um, that that, that group, uh, man, I I think they pitch it to all the chiefs out there, and they've got to have a buy-in from the city and the police department. And how that worked with us is Chief Jordan came down one day and said, uh, we're going to do it. And me being a good soldier <laughs> I am said, yes, you are, and yes, we will, and we'll make it work. And it's actually been a blessing for, for the city of Tulsa. Uh, everybody on the in my squad, it, they're all leaders. Uh, I had 11, I think, that, that worked with me. They were picked because they're leaders, and, and really they couldn't run the squad without me, and uh, eventually, when uh, you leave, that's what you want. But they made it work. Uh, the the camera folks uh, for the first forty eight are fantastic. They're embedded with us. They they show up. They run with us, and they're in all our huddles in the morning. Uh, they mm-hmm. actually become a part of the squad. Uh, so that's how that worked. And you know, our solve rate is kind of good. Uh, Tulsa affords us that opportunity. To solve them when we get them, actually, and uh, we've uh, we, we've done rather well. I, I, it's not me; it, it, it's the city, and it's the dedication of the officers that, that work for us. But you guys, being chiefs, you know how that works. Oh yeah, <laughs> you get an idea, you say it's going to happen, <laughs> and, and we make it happen for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, and, hey, and, hey, so, know, yes, sir. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. I'll ask you because I know we're getting close to break. I'll ask you when we come back. Yeah, that's what I'm just going to remind you. We're, we're getting ready to come up on break and uh, didn't want to get uh, too far into uh, conversation. But uh, but uh, I want to remind our listeners that you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. And uh, today we've got on, uh, as a guest, uh, retired homicide uh, investigator, uh, Sergeant Dave Walker with the uh, Tulsa Police Department out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, uh, and we're going to be talking about uh, the life of a TPD homicide uh, detective and what all goes on with that. But uh, we're going to take this short break, and we'll be back with uh, Sergeant Dave Walker. But if you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Recovery Month has become widely recognized and does an outstanding job of celebrating recovery, increasing awareness, and acknowledging the amazing work of providers, advocates, people in recovery, and their families. I believe our work together is helping many Americans better understand, seek out, attain, and sustain recovery. What began as a small and very good idea has grown into a national, mainstream, sustained, and systematic public education and support effort, all focused on the message that people recover. Getting the message of recovery right is critical because people take action based on what they hear and see and, most importantly, what they experience. 
Experience shapes our knowledge, our values, our attitudes, our beliefs, and our action. Of those who recognized their need for treatment but didn't receive care, the number one reason was no health coverage and could not afford the cost. No one in need should be denied the opportunity for treatment and recovery in our country. WCOM in uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, uh, 646-929-0130, the number to get in touch with us. Chat room is open. If you have a question, hit us uh, up. If you have a question for uh, Chief Keith Humphrey and Chief uh, Virgil Green or their guest, you can hit us up there. Did they get a question, um, which is, uh, it, you know, fair enough, I would say to to you guys that um, the the question was basically to your guests um, cancel uh, especially as it relates to law enforcement uh, we, we saw a lot of law enforcement on A&E where your guest is uh, with uh, 48 hours and uh, they're down to Pam uh, and uh, the other things that some, some law enforcement stuff has been canceled due to the uh, deemed uh, the nature of the, the public reality, if you will. Um, what his thoughts is that the this cancel um, the climate culture is is taking place. What he, he thinks of it, and has he had to make any adjustments uh, to that? Oh, okay, okay, all right. Hey, Sergeant Walker, I uh, will let you. Uh answer that question for one of our listeners. Well, absolutely. It's, it's a great question. It's an astute question. It's obviously one that's uh, in, in the forefront. And, uh, you know, the, the, what was the show, Live PD, uh, focused on, on Tulsa on some of the, the occasions, and it got canceled. But actually one of the Live PD guys is uh, Sean Larkin, a, a lieutenant with us, and he... Uh, was a, a host, and it got canceled right before A&E took it off the air. Um, mm-hmm. Man, TV is for entertainment, and some of the stuff we do on the street is not very entertaining. So I didn't really watch any of these shows. I know my wife told me about the first 48 before it came on, and I said, you know, I don't want to watch it because, heck, I'm living it. So why would I? But as the first 48 is a little bit different, um, it's more like a dateline type thing. Plus, you have to have a buy-in from the family. And that's one thing mm-hmm. the, the live PD shows didn't have is uh, they just showed you the body cams and you get you as you are. So if a family doesn't want their murder case um, broadcasted uh, and, and aired, then um, A&E and, and the First 48 respected that. And so did we. We went about our business whether... Uh, it was on on the air or going to be aired sometime in the future. Uh, it didn't really matter. So 
Uh, I think the buy-in from the family has kind of cushioned the first 48 from all of the uh, rhetoric of, of live PD and showing people at their worst and not even having to say whether they're on TV or not. So, that, I mean, okay. it's, it's actually a benefit, like I've said, for, for the city of Tulsa, as I've seen it uh, in the years that we've worked. Well, you know, sorry, that's interesting that you bring that you make that comment because I don't think a lot of people are aware of that in the fact that, you know, live PD, you know, it's it's gone, it's not even in reruns, but you know, the first forty eight, you can catch the first forty eight, you know, pretty much twenty four seven, depending on where you're at. And so, because uh, I know, you know, uh I've watched it and and, uh, and get into some of the cases that you guys are, are working and how you you guys solve those cases and they they don't always solve in that first forty eight you know some go weeks some go months but it's but it's really interesting to know that the that the family is even consulted uh, before you guys even. Uh, work that case, or, or that case is even actually aired on TV. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely uh, with permission. And even mm -hmm. the people we interview, you see them blacked out at times, or uh, you get their voices are, are skewed. Uh, they they haven't signed on. Uh, yeah, we do everything we can to 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 make it right for those folks. And if they push come to shove, I think they canceled it. You know, they won't show the episode. So it's pretty good that way. Oh, okay. Uh, Keith, you had a question before the break. Yeah, I did. And, and one of the things I'd like to, to say to the sergeant is that when, you know, when you look at those, those episodes in Tulsa, uh, the one thing that I think you get, and you get this from other cities, but you get the, fact of the of the passion for solving these cases not for a number oh yeah say we got this solved or we got this clearance rate but it's the it's the mission of each and every one of those investigators to find and, and what i think the the listeners need to know that's 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 what you get in mid-sized the large agencies you get us a team effort i mean you get a homicide these these guys are on call, you know, they, they may have a rotation, they may not. So these guys get a call and they're there and, and you have these you have these detectives that they do not stop until they solve the case or until they get a uh, a viable lead. So I think I just wanna shout out to you, tell you I appreciate the hard work. I know you're retired but you know, you set the tone for what's going on there and I will say this, Sergeant. You know, there's one of the guys on there that wears a bow tie, but I think I wear a bow tie better than him. <laughs> well, I, well, thank goodness. I bet you talk better than he does too, because that that guy cussed everywhere he went. <laughs> he was a, a but no, you, you, a you just you know, when you, <laughs> well, when you can when you can show, and, and I think you know it's important to citizens to know that you that in those situations, in those homicide cases, we get. Uh, emotionally connected. Uh, you know, it's it's you've got to find out everything you can, no matter what the incident is or what led to the person's death. Uh, you you've got to find out more and more about that individual so that you can say, okay, okay, we get it now. Or you know, it shows the family that you really do care, and, and you guys have done a great job. 
Well, I appreciate that, but uh, it's like you said, homicide uh, and any really detective takes their cases seriously, uh, and you have to, and homicide victims' families, they are a special breed. I mean, it doesn't matter what the victim was doing, who the victim is, the history of it, it, it just, it didn't matter. When we go knock on their door and give them that news, it is the same reaction from everybody. Um and boy, once you feel that personally, I'm getting like gold tingly right now. It's you you got to solve it, and you you know, and you just do it until you you get it done. And you do not, yeah. not let no be the answer, and, and that's what we've done here, and we do it you know nationwide. It's that way, Chief. So I appreciate that. Yeah, well, and, and you know, uh, uh, Sergeant Walker, one, you know, when you watch. And, and you guys, there's a lot of professionalism that's put into the show. And this isn't, you know, just made for TV because you guys are, uh, you know, really sincere about solving uh, the death of, of, of someone, whether it was whether they were doing something right or whether they were doing something wrong. And uh, because, you know, I, I just I watched uh, one of the shows a couple of days ago where, a young man lost his life, and I believe uh, the it was it was really sad to know that the father, a cousin, another friend had were, were all involved in the death of this young man. And yeah, it may have started out as a bit domestic violence, but to know that the father's it was almost kind of like a hit. I'm going to send you guys over here to rough him up, but they didn't rough him up. They killed him. So that that was, to see how that whole case unfolded was really interesting uh, in the fact that this young man lost his life because of just an overzealous uh, father uh, who, at the end of the day, he's going to spend the rest of his life in prison. Yeah, unfortunately, I think uh, there's a lot of people spending the rest of their life in prison that had they have that opportunity to take back, they would. Um, and there's just so many mistakes made early on in, in that murder crime, especially if it's one that's domestic-related. You know, I always said mur um, murders happen because of money, sex, drugs, and a vendetta. And some of those, you know, they're just not thought out. That's why we get after it. We get after it in a hurry. And uh, it is a team effort, Chief Humphrey. You're, you're correct. Everybody has has a, a part to play. And it doesn't matter who gets the recognition. Uh, like I said, it could be the chief of police making the arrest or a rookie cop. It don't matter to us. Let's just get it done. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and the listeners need to know that you guys do drink a bunch of coffee. <laughs> yes, sir. And it's not good coffee. <laughs> it's the cheap stuff. It gets, yeah, well, the, the coffee pot is good. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and as you know, you can probably tell from some of those uh, scenes that the coffee pot doesn't get cleaned out that often. So everybody just kind of. <laughs> well, that's why we're probably healthy. You know, you put a little crap in you. you <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. good coffee. It's good coffee, yeah. So I, I don't think I've been around a, uh, a police department that that, that had a, a good, clean coffee pot. So um, 
that, that's something that I guess it, it makes the coffee better. <laughs> it's called yeah. it's seasoned. It's seasoned. It's seasoned. 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 <laughs> right. uh, the pot and the yeah. mug is all dirty. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, hey, Sergeant. So, you know, obviously, after over thirty something years and working in law enforcement, and I think almost what close to ten years being a homicide uh, investigator, uh, that has to take some kind of toll on on anybody, um, it, because of just the nature of, of the type of work that you guys deal with, um, and just seeing death. It, at any stage is bad, but you, you know, homicide investigators see the worst of the worst. And I think, you know, as a police chief, you it, sometimes you may respond to the scene of something really horrible, but you don't, uh, you're not there spending, you know, hours and hours, you know, gathering, you know, collecting evidence and, and talking to people. So uh, how does that impact you guys? Because you, the, you guys in Tulsa have a very uh, – you guys get along very well. Uh, cause I, and I watched the show when you retired, and, and I can't think of your uh, the other detective that's a real good friend with you, but he, he got pretty emotional that day when you guys – when you were uh, – when they had your retirement party. Well, uh, that man there was John Brown. and uh, Yeah, actually, yeah my, John my wife just went over to their house for a Bible study. Um, and John and I have been together, uh, working together longer than our wives have, you know, we've been married. So it's 25 years, I think we, we call, uh, added it up. Uh, he would never promote, so I always had to lug him along. But there's, uh, if you ever look on the first 48, if I'm going in one, he's going in two. He's always right there, uh, with me. Uh, but you're right. We, we do see the worst of the worst, and uh, there's a bond that that goes with that. Uh, but I tell you, in, in 2016, when I, we had four one night in a row, right after the other, I walked out of my garage and just said, "I can't do it anymore." So it took me two years to get out of it. And that's usually how long it takes to to wind down and put it in a you know that team in a spot where we could move on. Uh, each each detective does it different. Each cop does it different. It's just not the homicide guys that see it all. Uh, and I think we're seeing a, a a switch. And Chief, you probably know this to a peer to peer. And it's okay to say, "Hey, we're not okay. Uh, this was ugly, and we need to talk about it." And we get it out. And that maybe uh, keeps the alcoholism, the drug drug addiction, and uh, running around uh, to a minimum, and keeps us healthy. And I think our law enforcement communities are healthier today than they were back in the 80s and 90s. Well, you know, uh, it's, it's interesting you bring that, that part up about the mental health and wellness of police officers, whether you're a patrol officer or, or you know, a homicide investigator. Uh, the fact that, as you know, there was, it has always been a stigma. You really don't talk about it. But do you see... Uh, in this era of policing where more guys and women are are talking amongst themselves about it and are trying to uh, reach out and get some other type of, of, of assistance and not fall into that 
stigma of where people think, oh, it's all about, you know, getting drunk and smoking and going out and partying? Well, I, I think we're getting closer to, to uh, getting to the tip of the iceberg. It's a big ship, and we're trying to turn it. Uh, you hear it talked about more and more. I don't know how, really if people are doing it. I know people are not having the choir practices like we used to have. You know, at the end of a case, we'd all go <laughs> oh, yeah. drunk. Because the next one's coming in, and it's really tough to work one of them things hung over. Uh, so nobody's really doing that so much anymore, at least um, outwardly. I mean, we used to sit on the parking lot after a shift and, and drink beer, but uh, that doesn't get done anymore. We're a little bit more health conscious, and as we're health conscious uh, physically, our mental state is better. And when your mental state's better, you're making better choices and decisions out there. And, and we've seen, uh, well, we just can't afford too many more bad decisions in, in law enforcement. It's just uh, not acceptable, and it's not getting covered up, and I don't think it should be. So uh, we got to be on top of our game when we, uh, when we go to work, and uh, the mental aspect's a big part of it. And I don't think we're there yet by any stretch of the imagination. No, okay, okay. So, uh, Sergeant Walker, what... You know, with everything that's been going on uh, this past year, and, you know, we had the the uh, listener earlier, you know, had the, the question about the cancellation of these shows in light of everything that's been going on with Black Lives Matter and all the protesting, and, you know, the networks, you know, cancel those shows. Um, where do you see... Uh, law enforcement going and you know whether it be in the Tulsa area because it, you know a lot of people may not know and it's not anything that to brag about or even to but Tulsa has has kind of had a high crime rate or uh, uh, kind of more so than Oklahoma City has had but um, what do you with, with everything that, that has happened this past year in your opinion, where do you see things going in the direction with uh, law enforcement? I think it's a great question. It's a great time to be in law enforcement. It's a great time to be a chief of police so you can model and mold uh, where we're going as, as a profession. Um, but we're getting beat up, and rightfully so at times. We have to get better. I've said that in 2016 when we had a officer-involved shooting. Uh, the, the day and age of, of us in law enforcement just saying trust us is over, and it should be, and it should have been many, many, many years ago. And I see law enforcement moving towards the direction of educating uh, the public more about what we're seeing, what we're doing. Um, these officer-involved shootings that, that happen real quick, uh, we're talking about hundreds of a second at times to, to make a decision. And then other times uh, we're just making bad decisions. Uh, but, I, but I see us being transparent, us as a profession being transparent, and, that, and that's the way it's going. And, and I think uh, we just need to, to come out and say when we're wrong, we're wrong, and we're going to critique ourselves, and we're going to get better. And every use of force incident um, that that takes a life or, or hurts somebody needs to be critiqued by that agency and nationwide and say, this is how we can handle that better. We don't do that really well as a profession, and we didn't do it really well as a department. 
uh, here in Tulsa. We, we can do better. And so I mm-hmm. see us getting better. And, you know, you guys in the administration, what a, what a wonderful, wonderful opportunity it is to, to turn it around. Now, socially, I think what it's going to happen is it's not law enforcement is the issue. I mean, the race issue is a race issue, and uh, people just need to, you know, get over that. Not not the minorities now. I'm ta- talking about the people that are racist need to get over mm-hmm. it and get educated and move on down the road because uh, I'm ready to take color out of everything, and let's just all be people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, hey, guys, we're gonna, coming up on uh, taking our, our next break, but we want to – Remind our listeners that you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. And um, if you miss any part of this show, um, you can catch us at thebachelornewsradionetwork.com. That's thebachelornewsradionetwork.com. If you miss any parts of the show where we've got on our uh, special guest, retired homicide investigator Sergeant Dave Walker with the uh, Tulsa Police Department, but, guys, we're going to take this uh, break, and we're going to come back and uh, finish up talking with uh, Sergeant Walker, but you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. If you've got a clogged up nose, simply stuffy. If you've got a snuffy nose, simply sassy. If the rest of you feel fine, but your nose is out of line, give your schnozzle what it needs, Simply Stuffy. Simply Stuffy, from the makers of children's Tylenol. It has only the medicine your child needs to make a stuffy nose simply disappear. If you want to smell a rose, get the stuff out of your nose. If you take a serious body, Simply Stuffy. Simply Stuffy, use as directed. Now you can increase your yields by using Conklin's Guardian Slow-Release Nitrogen Additive. Guardian holds your nitrogen in the root zone where it's needed over a longer period of time. That, in return, can reduce your nitrogen rates. That saves you money. And whether you want it in a dry or liquid formula, Guardian helps in reducing groundwater contamination, too. So save your money and be a good steward all at the same time by using Conklin's Guardian. Network and WCOM in Chapel Hill and Carborough. I want to remind folks a couple things. If you miss any part of this broadcast, this great broadcast, uh, you can go to the website and uh, listen to this broadcast with the sergeant on and the chiefs on at uh, the Bachelor News Radio Network.com, the Bachelor News Radio Network.com. Um, if you're on the line now, you have a question, I will be uh, screening the calls. That's the producer of the show. Uh, so you will not be on the air live. We will ask questions to you. 
if you have a question or comment, make sure you let us know. You're not on the air live when you respond. We promise you. So if we screen you and say, hey, do you have a question, uh, you can tell us if you have a question or not. If you're not, you can just listen to the show and enjoy like I am with Chief Keith Humphrey and Chief Virgil Green and and their guest, the sergeant. I, I do want to ask the sergeant, guys, if it's okay with you, a, a question, um, uh, you know, with, with everything uh, going on and the respect that he said, um, the sergeant, as it, the respect that you had said in, in regards to law enforcement being real and being honest and being transparent, I would assume that you meant um, that uh, uh, as an African-American and as an African-American producer of, of two uh, African-American chief uh, police officers, which they don't have anything to do with my question or, or anything, um, I, I would be concerned sir, as a civilian um, with the fraternal police that support, uh, that, that seem to support or seem to have this misconception, in my view, that, um, uh, that you know, civilians and, and uh, the progressive left, which I'm not left, right, whatever the case may be, but the progressive of the Black Lives Matter, being Black Lives Matter, um, would denounce that and make it seem as though that um, those that look like me who come from my neighborhoods who who are afraid of police and and dealt with the police in a negative uh, fashion would, would, um, would endorse that. Like, we would be cool with you saying that, you know, not you, but uh, uh, your colleagues, some of yours, that say that, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter is some kind of Antifa or some kind of way to kill cops or discredit cops or whatever. And the three of you are are, are law enforcement, who I respect. So I, I would wonder, and I guess my question to you, sir, is that, you know, what do you say to them? How do you deal with that? And how do you adjust that to black and brown communities who are like me, who grew up, is that we don't trust police because police have not uh, been as friendly as possible uh, to our community, sir? And I, I, I apologize. I'm sorry. No, no. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I forgot to unmute your, your mic, so my bad. I'm, I'm oh. sorry. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, okay. go ahead, sir. There's yes, a sir. lot in that yes, question, and, and I, I understand that the unions and, um, and where they come from, and the chiefs have got a, a tough job dealing with the unions because you just can't find the bad cop out there and then say, you know, like a business, if you did something really wrong in a business, you could say, hey, you know, don't show up for work tomorrow. You can't do that in law enforcement because the union is, is strong. Uh, I understand that, and I think that's something that has to be looked at. Um, we, we've got to give the chief uh, a little bit more power to, to take the bad cops out before they do something incredibly stupid. Uh, and that's, a, you know, maybe we need to start that at the hiring process. 
look at and see who we're hiring and uh, use those uh, mental MMPI, the testing that we do to get a, a different type of cop in there. And that, uh, But, you know, the long and the short of it, the EDI has got the power right at the moment, and they're using it. I understand that. And, you know, they want to say they're looking out for the best interests of, of the officer. And for the most part, they're good people doing doing a tough job. But but sometimes, like I said before, you know, when we're wrong, we're wrong. And if the the offense is bad enough where you need to be fired, then or charged, we have to do that. Um, and when those situations are warranted, uh, we don't need to be hiding behind. Uh, you know, we're going to try to let them resign or retire or move on um man it's a tough pill to swallow but but there are friends but i've arrested a Tulsa cop for murder it it gets done we we move on and uh, i think as we see that in society that the police are are able and willing to arrest our own uh, when when it's warranted then, then you'll see some of that come back in those neighborhoods that you're talking about. Um, you know, if, if midnight basketball was the answer, we'd already be done with it. So getting out and talking to people is, is part of it, but we've got to educate the communities, uh, like I said before, on what we're doing, um, and especially on a use of force that, that is ugly. I mean, gosh, you can pick one. Uh, if there's an explanation, let's hear it. And if there's not, let's do something about it. Yeah, and amen, yeah. amen to that to you guys uh, to, and to you, sir, because that, um, I, I think that um, I've, I've been on other programs. We've had uh, stuff on this uh, network even of, uh, of other of, of the three of your colleagues that say, no, you know, I mean, this is wrong. It's an attack on police. And, um, you know, as a civilian, it's like, welcome to the party. Like, it, it's been some things going on. But I respect you, sir, and you retiring and the fact that you can be honest about that um, because there, there's, you know, there, there's bad in all professions. But as I had said to the two chiefs, you, you can't be like a bad pilot on a plane. Like, you have no zero tolerance. You can't be bad. You can't have a bad day as a, a pilot. And I think in law enforcement, with all due respect, is that you, you guys already have a lot on your plate. And I get that. Doctors, lawyers, you're being, um, you know, <laughs> you're being all these different people when you get to a, a scene and everything. And I respect that. And I, I, I don't want any part of that. Um, but at the same token, I, I, I do want to make sure that people understand that, you know, um, you know, it, there, there's a stigma out there that's unfortunate for the good cops like you guys are um, that is bad for the bad ones out there. And I guess you guys, uh, Virgil, you guys have to fix how you how you police the bad ones because the bad ones are the ones that are messing you guys up because the three of you are doing the right thing, but you got some that are not doing the right thing. And that's a problem when you come to, you know, in the mainstream society, sir. Yeah. 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 You're absolutely right. Uh, LA, uh, Keith, you got anything to add to that? 
No, I, I just think what you're seeing, and 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 I and I'll be glad when it 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 uh, amplifies throughout the nation. Uh, we're seeing more and more officers uh, that are that have taken the zero tolerance mindset to when it comes to uh, bad behavior. Uh, it's like Sergeant said, uh, I've arrested um, coworkers uh, right out of briefing. Uh, you know. Right, as they walk up for uh, drop, come up for you know for their their tour duty. Um, it, it's really not a difficult thing to do, uh, and, and you have to go back and Sergeant. I would, you know, in talking to you and, and knowing about you, I would I would think, and I know Virgil thinks same thing. We 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 can't afford to make excuses anymore, and you know, at the end of the day, we talk about the passion and the pride we have in this profession. And we've got to start acting like that. You know, if, if, if you say you got passion and you're doing this job because you care about people and things like that, well, that's that's a hundred. I mean, that's all the way around. That's like that's a continual circle. You gotta if you care about them, you gotta make sure you got people in there to care about them. If they're not doing things to show that they care about them, then it's time for them to go. And and we we just gotta we just gotta get that out there where it is it, amplified that we're not tolerating this anymore. Uh, we don't want to be compared to police of 50, 60 years ago. You know, we got to also stop this that, well, I don't know all the facts. You know, let's wait till all the facts come out. You know, and yeah. it goes back like, yeah. like the George Floyd thing. Hey, look here, man. You know, listen, <laughs> what other yeah. facts do you need? <laughs> and so yeah. those are the things that I think that are insulting uh, to the community. Yeah, and you know, guys, just because you know now they're in the the jury selection with the George Floyd deal, and, and that's getting ready to 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 really come out and into the back into the public spotlight. And you know, I think there's a federal legislation to pass the George Floyd bill. They could pass the House, but it's now it's on its way to the Senate. But you know, I think one of the things that uh, especially the FOP, you know, you, you have a, uh, an obligation to uh, represent officers, uh, but you also have an obligation to call out bad behavior when you see it and not just make excuses for it and then try to flip the script to something else because now the public has even lost more trust. So, you know, I think uh, the public has, every single time that a police union has come out and defended an officer, kind of like the situation in, in, in Minneapolis with the officer on the neck of George Floyd, and people have said, well, if he hadn't have been doing this, then that wouldn't have happened. But you had a man who was begging for his life, and at what point does another man realize I need, because I'm a police officer, this is what I need to do as a police officer and as a human being. But people, especially in the black community, they see that and they say, well, you're representing the police. So, but people need to realize that the FOP is, is separate from the police. But oftentimes what we're seeing is that the, the FOP is inserting themselves into things that they probably shouldn't 
be doing until everything has been resolved with that case. That's that's kind of my opinion, uh, uh, because again, the, the public is 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 really kind of tired of everybody saying, uh, you know, well, this happened because of this, and then all of a sudden, after somebody's life has been taken, it's it's not necessarily the agency who is putting out bad information; it's the FOP who is putting out bad information about the person who lost their life, whether they were, you know, again, if, if you're doing wrong, you're doing wrong, but don't try to destroy a person's character when they're dead. Uh, and I think that's why the FOP is taking such as a hit and that so many people are kind of dissing themselves from, uh, from that type of rhetoric. Now, what, what's your opinion, Sergeant Walker? Well, I think the rhetoric has to come from the the administration of the police department that's involved. Uh, I don't think the FOP should be the one out front talking because they're, it would be like, let's uh, use the George Floyd incident, for, for example. Uh, the attorneys that are going to be working for George Floyd come out and say, you know, you see what happens, right? Uh, the FOP shouldn't be the ones. It, it should be the administration of that department. Um, it doesn't have to be even as blatant as the George Floyd. Um, but the, the, the thing we run into, and I've seen it here in 2016 in the, uh, the, the officer-involved shooting that I worked with, Terrence Crutcher was shot and killed. Um, mm -hmm. No comment is a terrible comment. I mean, mm -hmm. everybody gets to say whatever. It's just uh, wow. Um, but when you're told that you're not going to be able to, to say anything, and then the FOP comes out, it, 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 I agree with you. It, nobody wants to believe what they're saying. And well, you know, if we if we you, come out with what what happened, the facts, and there they are. You, know, you can argue about the facts, but uh, you can have your opinion about them, but it's not going to change what they are. Well, you know the 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 thing that I've seen really help is the critical incident. Um, uh, when you do the critical incident um, videos and you explain them, those have really been no matter. I think no matter how high profile the case is, when you when you walk the citizens through what happened, whether you're justified or not, and they can actually see the actions. It it because it's just like you said, Sergeant. If you allow the community to build the narrative, it's going to have so many different plots. But if you can get out there and say, hey, this is this deal. I know that we this occurred. I will have a statement for you tomorrow, but what we, for what we can tell, um, you know, blah, 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 blah. But give them something. Give the community something. Because what you're doing is you're building that trust and they're going to give you the opportunity. And you only have that one opportunity, to be honest. And they're going to give you that opportunity to, to come back with additional information. But, it, you know, I always go back to the Ferguson incident. I go back to <clears throat> the chief there didn't make a statement <laughs> for nine days, nine or ten days. Yeah. And, and then the, 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 the um, St. Louis County 
police chief made the statement for him. And there were so mm-hmm. many inconsistencies because this is somebody else's jurisdiction. But so what I'm saying is you got you got to be transparent, you got to be honest, and you got to give as much information as you can. I think people understand there's some things you can't, but you you gotta you gotta get your message out there because I'm telling you, uh, the union their focus is protecting their representing their their member. Um, yeah, yeah. They're not gonna throw the member under the bus. Yeah. They're just not gonna do it. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, he brings up a good point. Yeah. Well, hey, guys, we got a, a, a listener in Tulsa, uh, Oklahoma. Jeremy from Tulsa asked, uh, shouldn't politics not play um, uh, in how law enforcement, more importantly, homicide handle cases? Uh, and then we just had a, a, another listener in Tulsa, Mike, uh, is in Tulsa, asked if murders went down, uh, went down from the time he was in homicide unit. Uh, I think he's asking, has murders went down uh, since your time in the homicide unit prior to your retiring? Uh, so two really good qu- questions from our listeners who are listening in, in Oklahoma, uh, Jeremy and, uh, and Mike. So the first question, uh, Sarge, you know, about politics and law enforcement, which we all know it shouldn't be, but at some point it, it, it does. Yeah, po- politics uh, are a big part of it. I mean, uh, when you've got a presidential election going on and you got the election <laughs> candidates, uh, they probably know very little about law enforcement and what we're dealing with. They're, they're espousing their, uh, their, their views on, on an officer-involved shooting. And well, then you're right. Politics should not play a part because it's right and it's wrong. And yeah. we just have to debate that. Um, and really, there is no right or left. It's right or wrong in that. And yeah. yet politics do play a part. You know, And it always will. I don't know how we get yeah. that out of this other than, um, boy, you chief's got a, a tough, tough decision to make. At the end of the day, uh, me yeah. gathering facts are is simple. Yeah. Well, you know, another question uh, it, it came up was um, <clears throat> from not so much the the pol- pressure from the police chiefs, but pressure from your local uh, your mayors putting pressure on the police department to solve. You know, I think you had mentioned before some years ago, Tulsa had you know, like four or five homicides in one night, and this was on the news. And Tulsa is is a a growing city, just like Oklahoma City is. There's things that that the city of Tulsa want to protect, and, and want, doesn't want that bad image of Tulsa getting out. Uh, it wants people to come and visit Tulsa. So, has have have you seen anything like that in your uh, a career in the homicide unit where maybe there was some really uh, an urgency put on you guys to, to solve uh, a certain uh, a case because it could have been had some implication with some political things going on in Tulsa. Well, I can say no, but then I have to say yes because in 2012 we had the Good Friday killings, which was uh, three. 
uh, people were shot and killed just along the, the race because they were black. Uh, we had two white guys that were arrested in that. And, and so, yes, the whole minority community was up, upset. We had two, uh, two people shot, three people killed. Um, man, it, and it was a good Friday weekend. And we worked it until Easter Sunday and got the arrest. And it came from, uh, you know, the, the community telling us who did it. So, yeah, there's mm-hmm. pressure on those, but, but each murder, there's a pressure on it to do it. And the mayor doesn't come into my office and say, you know, why, why do we have three unsolved this week? Uh, the chief never did that. Um, so I didn't feel it. So the, the, okay. that was a good thing because, you know, I don't need the chief to tell me how to work a case. I know how to do that. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I'm not the chief, but he's not the homicide guy right. either. So, um, and, and, and we shouldn't that. want, and sorry, we shouldn't want to get in your business. We shouldn't. Yeah. If we exactly. have to get in your business, then we need to be doing that job, you know. And so, no, if you've got good, trusted homicide detectives like yourself, that's that's a, that's a win-win for a chief. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. We shouldn't be getting in, in your business. Yeah. Well, hey, guys, Mike, I want to get to Mike's question. I think he wanted to know, uh, uh, Sergeant Walker, if homicides went down from the time you became a homicide investigator uh, upon uh, your retirement. Well, I think we were looking probably the first year I took over was 2011, and we ran about 48 that year, and that was low. And we usually were looking Mm -hmm. at 60 a year. 2016, we set a record at 83. And Don't I want to point out that was uh, we solved 83 of those, so we were at 100, mm-hmm. percent and that's that's amazing in itself. And then 2017 we went to 83 again. Uh, now 2018 we were on a lull, and that's when I I, I walked out. Uh, and they've gone down since, so I hope that doesn't mean I was the cause of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, record number yeah. of years because I was in it doesn't mean that uh, that's not something I was looking forward to, but. But we did, and they're on. They're, they're kind of like on pace again to to run about fifty or sixty. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, it has settled down just a bit, and I can't tell you why. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and I can't tell you why they're 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 high. You know, most of the time people yeah. are doing the wrong things for the wrong reasons at the wrong time. Uh, yeah. If you're in the right place at the right time for the right reasons, uh, you, you're pretty safe. Yeah. Well, hey, we have a, another question, and it's, and it's great. We've got a lot of people on the line listening to the show. They definitely want to hear what uh, what you have to say, uh, Sergeant Walker, it being the, the face of the of Tulsa PD on the first 48. So we've got, uh, we got Faith who asked if, um, if you think that people believe in the criminal justice system through reality TV like uh, uh, the first 48. Yes, I do think that uh, people have a better understanding of what we do in the reality TV part of it. Um, you know, the NCISs, where they get DNA and all that all the time, uh, that's a little un- unmanageable for us. And then you see uh, the real life of, of us. Uh, you see us crying at times. You see us tired. You see us frustrated. You see us mad. Uh, and I think Chief Humphrey said it's not bad for people to see that we're human beings. Uh, we can pound the desk table, you know, <laughs> and, and get upset. <laughs> and we do. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, yeah. But, you know, in, in, in the end, people see us as real, and that's helped us in Tulsa. I mean, people call, mm-hmm. and because we're not at the murder scene, so we're asking people, and you'll be surprised. They may not call us that night, but, but they get a hold of us. They know who we are, and since we're out there, you know, the Jason Whites of the world, they, they know who we are. And mm-hmm. Nate Chilling and John Brown and Mark Kennedy and all those guys are real people. And yeah. they don't mind calling, and that's how we solve them. And thank God for that. Yeah. Well, hey, also, 